Welcome to New Destiny Christian Center's Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor David Verdecchio. If you'd like to find more information about our ministry, please visit us online at www.NewDestinyChristianCenter.com. How many of y'all came here to hear God? All right, and I believe you. And part of it is, um, I believe that as you, as you intend in your heart, you can have when you obey and when you uh, really get in there and begin to do what it takes, right? So uh, it, it, takes, it takes efforts to begin to get in there and do it. How many have ever driven a U-Haul with a governor on it? Right? So what that is, is I don't know if they still do it. I guess they maybe do. But, uh, you know, you'd rent a vehicle. To, to move stuff in a U-Haul, and you get up on the highway, and the speed limit's 65 or 70 or whatever it is, and, and you, you plow that thing, you push that pedal all the way down, and it just 55. <laughs> all right, because it's got a, a governor on there, which prevents you from being able to go as fast as the vehicle will go, all right, or even as fast as the speed limit may be. It's, it's on there to govern you, govern govern your ability to do that. Well, you know, the, the devil is a governor on your life. He's, he's a governor on your life. That, that the devil says, now this is as far and as fast as you can go. You can't go any faster than this. Now he'll give you all the reasons. You know, everybody's all into the science today, right? You know, and, and the thing that's funny about science is science is science until they discover that it was really something else the whole time. <laughs> if you read about science, you'll see that. Okay, and so they take things in today and they tell people, well, you know, you're just really, uh, you know, I, God didn't make me that way. My temperament, my personality, my life experiences, and you should have a big sign that flashes in front of your eyes every time you think those things, governor. That when Pastor Teresa stands up and she says, if you'll shout, the walls will come down. Now, I got a governor on that part of my life. I don't, I don't go that far. I just go this far. I don't, I, I, right? Are you following me? Okay, so that has nothing to do with my sermon. But it, 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 it. Isaiah chapter number 40. Now I'm going to read scripture here and uh, um, I believe God wants to help us and he wants to do some things that are, that are good and they're a little bit challenging. You know, this is actually my favorite. If you ask me what my favorite sermon of the year is, it's the one between Christmas and New Year's. Right, because people now it's a little harder because you know Christmas was yesterday and you know some of you had too much something, and, and that's okay. It's it's just a part of it, you know. So I like when it's a, a couple days in between there and then it's Sunday. But uh, this is my always been my favorite one because there's something about ending a year going into a new year. And there's something powerful about it, and, and I always talk about fasting. So I'm going to talk a little bit about fasting today. Okay, but I'm going to start here in Isaiah chapter number 40 and verse number 28. It says, have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. 
Even youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fail in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Amen. So this is a sermon. I, I was praying this week. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm minding my own business. I had some ideas of what I wanted to do and, and what I felt like God was kind of leading me to preach. And he, he all of a sudden stopped me. And I knew I was going to preach on uh, this verse on eagle's wings. And the Lord told me, he said, I want you to preach on three birds in the Bible. All right. And I went, well, okay, let's go. There are all kinds of birds in the Bible. Right? Buzzards. And there's all kinds of weird things that are in there, right? But the three that he told me to preach on, the first one's kind of in there just a little bit. Uh, uh, so the, the first one is on chickens. Luke 22, 61 and 62. Peter had just denied the Lord for the third time. It says, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord. He had said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. Now, you know, chickens, I, I like chickens. I'm even thinking about getting a couple of chickens. I, I'm not a farmer. My, my only thing about getting chickens is I'm afraid I'll find them all dead because I'm just, you know, I, I kill plants. I kill cactuses. I'm so bad. Right? I mean, you know, chickens, though, they, they are important animals, right? Don't you like, who likes eggs? I've met a few people that don't, right? But eggs are kind of nice. They give you something to eat. And worse comes to worse, you just cut the head off the chicken and eat him. You ain't laying eggs no more. I guess it's time for you to go. <laughs> and so, you know, I mean, but, but chickens are important. But, you know, chickens are God's alarm clock, right? The roosters in the morning, they get up. Right? They crow. They're, 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 there's, there's usefulness to chickens. But I, I really don't want a church full of chickens. You know, sometimes in America, and, and it's funny, I was just reading a thing on Facebook, you know, things pop up, and, and in our area that we live in, uh, a new church is, is moving into the area, uh, and it's, um, you know, I always look at those things, and, and uh, you know, ask the Lord if I'm supposed to meet this pastor and that kind of stuff. And uh, this particular church, they're saying, they're, they're you know, like ours is, uh, for this reason Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost, right? Those kind of things. Uh, theirs was uh, because church should be enjoyable. And, and right away my main mind goes into search mode and I'm thinking, where's that in the Bible? You know, the, the scripture's like, pick up your cross and follow me. We just think church should be enjoyable. Well, I don't want it to not be enjoyable, but I hope that, that you feel a little bit of a tug to go a little deeper into the things of God after you come to church. And sometimes that's not enjoyable. You know, when I played sports and when I ran track and stuff, you know, the coach that wants your experience in the sport that you're in to be enjoyable tends to be a lousy coach because they don't push you in anything. Oh, it's okay that you drop every pass that comes your way. You're still so good. We're going to put you in every play. <laughs> right? I mean, they, they pretty much, you know, modern society has pretty much ruined sports for the most part. I'm not going to go in there. I'll just leave that alone. 
right? But when you, when, when you think of, you know, the first church of the chickens, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's that, that church that just says, well, we, you don't, don't ever do anything that makes you uncomfortable. Don't, don't, you know, Jesus all the time, when you read the Bible, you can't get away from the New Testament. How many people are still reading your Bible through on the last week? Stay in there, finish it up. I'm so proud, I can't tell you how proud I am of the people that have, that have been going through this all year long, read the Bible. It's outstanding, You're right? And so continue in there, keep on going. But when you read, especially the book of Acts and beyond, all you read about is tell people about Jesus, tell people about Jesus, tell people about Jesus. Tell... That's not my personality. <laughs> I'm just going to let my little light shine. hope nobody sees it right it's this this right and now I get it I'm, I'm not you know on, on Sundays I kind of have any choice but I'm really not the most aggressive personality in the world to be out there and and doing things but I had to train myself that no the Bible says this is what you're supposed to do so I'm gonna do it have you it's funny I got my my brain is going six directions at once here I've met a lot of people that said I've tried Christianity and it doesn't work and you know what I always want to tell them no, you haven't. You haven't. Oh, no, I have. I go to church. Well, that's nice. But that's not Christianity. There's a whole lot more involved in Christianity than going to church. Now, you really, according to Hebrews, should go to church. But it's not what Christianity is. See, when you live Christianity, you live for a different reason. See, we tend to ask ourselves the wrong question when we think about Christianity. When we pray most of the time, what we're praying is the wrong thing. Because what we're looking for is we're really looking for what we desire, what we want, what will make us happy. And when I watch people, I was telling my wife on the way in, I said, you know, it's really interesting to watch. When people are desperate, when sin has them in a clamp, and it's squeezing their head, and they don't know what to do, they serve God. But as they begin to serve God, they begin to change, and their desperation leaves, and all of a sudden they begin to ask all the wrong questions. Now this sounds funny, but I think I'm going to say it anyway. Sometimes, the believer that has to go every day Desperate for a reason not to take a hit is almost better than the one that's been off of for 10 years. Because the one that's been off of for 10 years forgets that day. And they tend not to serve God. God's goal is not to get you out of the hole. All right, I'm going to get back to my notes. It's safer. So, we don't want to be the first church of the chickens. You know, the chickens, they can't fly. They kind of, they, they, you know, they'll go a little bit, you know, and then they, they're, they're ugly flyers. <laughs> they're just, the, you know, they, they just can't do it. And chickens pretty much, you know, they, they peck and eat whatever's on the ground. You put something in there that's not good for them, they're going to peck it and eat it. Right? Chickens just kind of, that's what they do. And that's not what we're supposed to be as Christians. But the second bird, 
that, that, that God led me to, it's found in Luke chapter number 12, verse number 4 through 7. It says, And I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. And after that, have no more, uh, and after that, have no more that they can do. But I will show you who you should fear. Okay, it's talking about fear. And it's saying, you know, don't worry about the, the person that has a gun to your head. Don't worry about that person. They can pull the trigger and you're done. That, they, that's all they can do, right? The Bible says that to die is gain. And I'm not saying we want to die. We're not going to drink grape juice today. And Okay. <laughs> okay, so don't, don't, don't misquote me on that. The pastor in Delaware County said that they're going to, you know, no, no, no. But it shows you, but I'll show you who to fear. Fear him who has killed, fear him who, after he has killed, has the power to cast you into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. Then he goes into shifts a little bit in verse number six. Are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins? And not one of them is forgotten before God. But the very hairs on your head are all numbered. And do not fear, therefore, you are more valuable than many sparrows. So here you have a sparrow. Sparrow's just a little Tweety bird. Right? It's just a, it's, you know, those little birds that are about that big and they, they just fly around. They're, they're, you know, they're great in the spring and I like being able to see them. But they're, they're, not, they're not valuable. Right? It says you can buy five of them for two copper coins. Right? There, there's not a lot that's there. They, they, don't, they don't do a whole lot, right? And yet the Bible says God loves them. He takes care of them. He makes sure not one of them falls from the He takes, and then he says, you ought to understand God loves you so much that he cares for you that way. He, he takes the image of a sparrow, a small defensive bird, and it, it says that he loves you so much that he loves you like that. He takes care of them. And then I love when he says all the hairs on your head are numbered. That, that, he, that he literally cares about every little minute aspect of our lives because he just loves us. He just, he, 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 you can't explain the love of God. And when you really begin to serve God and you, you run into the paradox of why do I do what I do? Somewhere along the line, you eventually get to that place. Why do I do it? Most of the time we get saved. When I got saved, I, I didn't want to go to hell. That was, that was kind of like the, I thought, yeah, no, that sounds like a bad place. I don't, I don't want to go there. But over time, God begins to bring you down a path and you begin to discover what he wants in your life. And you begin to ask those right questions and you begin to say, you know what, God? You love me so much that I can concentrate on what you want, and yet you'll take care of me. That I, I no longer have to seek the desires and the wants that I have, because what I need, God will provide. See, when we seek the wrong thing, we get it the wrong way, and we forget the more important thing. And so when I think of a sparrow, there, there are great little creatures that are out there and God takes care of them and he feeds them and he, he made them just to be there because he wanted them there. And there's always sparrows among us. And it's not a bad thing. But in, a, in, in the verse that we started with, in verse number 31, it talks about eagles. It says, but those who trust in the Lord, 
find their new strength. So in that scripture, it's saying that when you run, you get tired. No matter how good shape you're in. When you run, you get tired. But the Bible says, those who trust in the Lord will find a new strength. And when I begin to think about that, I thought, it doesn't say those who trust in the Lord will always be strong, but it does say you'll find a new strength. That you have to go from strength to strength. That there is a, a season where you're, you're going this direction and, and you need that thrust, that extra little bit of energy that God can give you. You'll find a new strength. And it says they'll soar high on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. You, you ever been weary in the things of God? I have. Well, some of you have. Rusty is probably lying. <laughs> Or you just never run. No, no. And then it says, and you'll walk and not faint. Okay? Now, when you think about eagles, eagles are majestic. I, I love, especially bald eagles, but eagles in general. I, I just love seeing those kind of birds fly. When they soar, it is the most amazing thing that you ever saw. When you see an eagle, you don't usually see an animal that's afraid. Have you ever seen a scared eagle? I mean, they tend to be, when, when you, usually when you see them, you don't see them flying, you see them up on their perch or something, up on top of a tree, always on the top. Eagles aren't bottom limb hangers. They tend to be up in the tree. Why? They're looking. What are they looking for? Something to eat. <laughs> see, eagles don't just eat what they're given. Eagles are hunters. They're attentive to what's going on around them. They, 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 they're, they're strong, right? Eagles tend to, they, they have that, that look about them, right? It's just this, I know I don't have that look, but they, they have that. And so God really has called us as a ministry to be a ministry. You know, in fact, it says in Ezekiel, this wasn't in my notes, but let me go there real quick. In Ezekiel, come on, iPad, cooperate. Talk amongst yourself. <laughs> In Ezekiel, it talks about, that's not where I want to be. Keep talking. <laughs> Ezekiel chapter, Ezekiel chapter number one. And verse number 10, it says, and it's talking about the creatures in heaven. Ezekiel is such a great book. And it says, for uh, the likeness of their faces, each had the face of a man. So here's a creature that had four faces. The face of a man, right? Why was it the face of a man? Because man was put in charge of creation. We, we um, named all the animals and man has given, been given dominion, right? And it said, each of the four had the face of a lion, right? The lion's the king of the beasts, when you see a real lion, not in a zoo, when you see a real lion out in the wild, they, they, it was funny, you know, I'm thinking to myself, we're humans and we pull up in a giant van and we pull up next to these lions and it didn't bother them at all. And I asked the guy, I said, these lions that are here, they, they weren't real disturbed that we're there. You know, most animals, you know, pull up next to a deer that's going to run away, right? But the lions, they just were going about their business. They really could care less about you. And he said, oh yeah, they don't care that you're there. Why? Because they know who they are and they know who you are. <laughs> right? So lions are the king of the beasts, right? 
And, and, then, and then it disappeared. No, it didn't there. So it had a face of a lion on the right side, and each four had the face of an ox on the left. So an ox is a beast of burden. It's a, it's a, and, and, you know, I always say the ox is the pickup truck of the Bible, of the old days. You know, every man that, that, that does things physically, you need, you need a pickup truck, something to throw stuff in, something to pull stuff with, right? If you, gotta, if you have to pull out a stump, don't use a Honda Accord. <laughs> Just, it might not go too well, you know? The stump's going to stare at you, and your bumper's going to be left behind. So, you, you know, an ox was something that they used greatly because it would pull the plow. And they would hook that ox up, and that ox just as strong, and it just, it just keeps on going when they're able to walk behind it. And, and the ox can carry a large burden. And so the ox of domesticated animals was really that strong beast. Right? So all the animals in this, all the different faces, are the top. And it said he had an ox on the left side, and each had the face of an eagle. Why? Because the eagle is the majestic the king of the birds. Hopefully the NFL champion soon. <laughs> but not this year. And so it, it, it talks about, so when, even in the eagles, there's something powerful that's about that, that the Bible talks about. Okay, so you have to understand, God wants us to be, he wants us to be Christians and a church that's full of eagles. The eagles go and they get what they need. They go and they, 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 they take care of what has to be done. So how do we do that? Right? How, how do you go from being a chicken Christian or a sparrow chicken or a sparrow Christian to an eagle Christian? Okay? You can change the way you do things. Did you know you're in control of you? You're in control of you. Now, you can't control anybody else. You can try, but you can't control anyone else. But you can control you. You can control how you respond to things, what you do, where you're at, what you're like when you're there, the countenance on your face, the energy that you bring with you. All of those things are 100% in your control. You don't have to accept sadness, mopiness, anger, depression, oppression. You, don't, you, you can bring changes to those areas of your life. Okay? You're in control. God made you that way. He made you a, a person, a human being. That, that this, this little gray matter that we have between our ears is the greatest supercomputer that's ever been designed. We have the ability to control those things. And so you can be an eagle Christian, or you can stay a chicken Christian. You know, when I begin to think about fasting and, and what it's done in my life, and, and I'm kind of going to run through a little, because a lot of people have questions about fasting. Why fast? When I think about fasting, when I got born again, I gave my life to the Lord. He very quickly spoke to me and said, you're called to be a pastor. I'm going to call you. I'm going to bring you back to the place where you were born. Okay, because I was born and raised here, but I got saved in Denver. 
And the Lord spoke to me and said, I'm going to send you back to where you came from. And you're going to pastor a church. And so I began to, to do what I needed to do. I began to, you know, okay, God, what are we going to do? And I came up to a place in my life where I had already pastored one church, and it was a screaming, unbelievable failure. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was a disaster of all disasters. It about killed us. We about killed each other. I mean, it was, it was, it was horrible. Really bad. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. When, when I think about that church, I think, oh. oh. Even the city was in. Oh. We were about a mile away from the, the most toxic square mile on planet Earth. True story. It's where they, it's where they stored all of the, um, all the gas warfare stuff, you know, the mustard gas and all that. That's where they stored it after World War I. It was still there. That's where we pastored our first church. <laughs> first church of the mustard gas. Anyway, so, so we're there, and it really was, it was, it was terrible. And it, it had caused a lot of hurt. And everything that I thought about Christianity, everything that I thought about pastoring, I, it, it just didn't, wasn't the way that I thought it would be. And so the, the level of, of hurt and uh, uh, pain and disappointment and all those different kind of things were there. But I still, somewhere in the back of my mind, knew. You know, we, we both looked at each other and said, you know, hell's still bad, so we don't want to go there. That's a, that's a good decision to make, by the way, just so you know. He said, hell's still better. We don't want to go there. But, you know, the pastoring thing, that's just for stupid people. I mean, I, we said those words. He said, you just, you got to have, you got to be missing half your brain. And the other half has to be damaged. <laughs> so, you know, so we went to a big church. We did. We went to a big church. We went to a church that probably ran around six or 7,000 people, right? It, it really was. It was a beautiful church, right? It was on this, this campus that was just amazing, right? And I had a, had a private school and all those kind of things. So we went to the, to the nice big church. You know, when, when the praise and worship team would sing, they had, they had all the modern music, and, and it sounded like angels joined with them, and we're singing along. They never hit a bad note. Their drums never malfunctioned. <laughs> I'm watching poor Mike Kelly. He's hitting the, the kick drum, and it's getting further and further away from him. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 everything there was absolutely perfect. And, and do you want to know where that perfect church led us. Now, I'm not, there was nothing wrong with the church. What was wrong is we weren't supposed to be there. All right? God didn't tell us to go there, but we wanted to go somewhere that was nice, and it was. Every service was predictable. When you left, you know, they, they made sure the greeters, you, you would hit five greeters by the time you got to your seat. And they were always smiling. Hi, welcome. You know, now we were in a state where we were, 
And, and we would go to that place and we just, it did nothing to fire us up. And we were that close to backslidden. She might have crossed the line. <laughs> I mean, don't tell her, but that's really, you know. And it was, right? So we were doing all the right stuff, we thought. But what happened is we begin to change, and instead of seeking God and what he wanted, we begin to ask the wrong questions and, and get what we wanted. Well, it was in that season that uh, all of a sudden, we, we, Bill and Brenda, her mom and dad, begin to go to this other church, and it was everything we didn't want. Everything we did not want. We'd go over there, and, and, and Brenda would be like, David, you need to check this church out. I said, really, why is that? Last night we had this service. The fire of God was there. We were there for three hours. I thought, good Lord. <laughs> I don't even go to night church anymore. I mean, she began to talk about the Holy Ghost would come, and people were so on fire for God I thought, man, I've, Commerce City was a bucket over my head. There ain't no fire no more. I don't want that. But when we finally went over to that church, and I thought, you know, let's just go. Right? She went over first, actually, because she was a little backslidden. But anyway, <laughs> she, she went over there first. And when she came, she came back and she goes, oh, man, that was great. I said, what was so great about it? And she'd tell me all the stuff that was happening. I thought... I'm just trying to show you that the things that you go through, we've been there. And, and, and it was, it was, it was, uh, and, and so finally I thought, okay, well, I'm going to go over to that church. And, and I went over on a Sunday morning or Sunday night or whatever it was, I don't remember, but the pastor, he, he would give a lot of word of knowledge and, and God would move through him that way. And we're sitting there in the whole service and I'm thinking, yeah, this is nice, this is okay. And after the service is over, they had an altar call, right? And, and people came up to the front to get prayed for. Now, of course, I stayed in my seat. I wasn't having no part of that. And he looked at me and he says, can I pray for you? Sure. I walked up and I put on the coldest face. Later on, after I got to know the pastor a little bit better, he said, I had to close my eyes because I thought the anointing was going to leak out of my head. <laughs> and he prayed for me, and, and I didn't move. I didn't go down. I didn't do anything. But I did hear it. And God began to move. And as we went there, God began to reignite in us the things that we lost. So how do you become an eagle when you've been a chicken and a sparrow. I'd been both of those a lot. But God wanted to do something different in my life. See, I always desired to be a winner, to be a champion. Right? I can't help it. I look back at, at, at Alex and, Ka and Caitlin back there, and they got champion shirts on, and I thought, <laughs> <laughs> 
prophecy coming true. But what they begin to do is they begin to teach me the things that I had forgotten. Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to go through these quickly. Matthew chapter number 6, verses 1 through 4. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men. This is Jesus, right, in the Sermon on the Mount. That you do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, when you do, not if, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you like the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory from uh, men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have the reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing that your charitable deed may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. Okay, so the Bible talks about when you give, when, when you give. In the NIV it says give, when you give, when you do your charitable deeds. And they begin to teach me, and the Holy Spirit begin to teach me about giving. See, I knew what it was to be poor. When we went to that big fancy church, it was a bunch of rich people. Okay, it was in an area outside of Denver that was up towards the mountains and the foothills, right? And, and everybody there had a lot of money and all that kind of stuff. And, and we, were, we were apartment people. We were living in, uh, that's what they called us. We were apartment, apartment people. They literally said that. They went out witnessing and they said, we went and witnessed to apartment people. And I'm sitting in the class thinking. <laughs> and, you know, but these were people that had businesses and, and all these kind of things, you know. We would go to the small group meetings at this church. And, and when we go there, you know, there's, there's, there's three other couples that are in there. And they're all talking about their, their vacation houses. And, their, and I'm thinking, what's a vacation? I don't think we ever had one of those. I mean, it was, it was rough for us. And, uh, and everything was fancy and everything was good. But God began to teach us that we could begin to change some things in our life and God would help us and they begin to teach us about giving and about faith and about believing God. See, in the scripture that I'm reading, this is just the first one, but it talks about when you give. See, let me help you with something with faith. If you don't give, you don't have seed. And if you don't have seed, there's nothing to bring harvest on. Now, we're in a church, I thank God, people give. Okay? And, and it's, it's tremendous to see all that God does here. All right? But if you want your faith to grow, you need more seed. If you want more harvest, you need more seed. The equation's not hard. Okay, You, you, you put seed in the ground and it grows. So if you don't put seed in the ground... And so there's something about giving... And giving's not just in church. Giving's about our life, our lifestyle, what we do. It's also about money, right? And it's also about giving in church, right? Pastor Teresa talked about the tithe. Tithe belongs to the Lord. You're supposed to bring your tithe to the storehouse. If you go to this church, this is your storehouse. This is where you get fed from. There's a big vat in the back, and we got corn in there. And when <laughs> Sunday, when you come, we and we give you the corn, okay? That, that's what that means, Okay, and so your, your tithe belongs to your local house. If you take your tithe and you give it somewhere else, you're not being biblical. Right. 
it's just not in my notes. That's why I'm down here. <laughs> they took the governor off the truck here, and, and I'm kind of... <laughs> I'm doing 70 in a 65. And so, no, your tithe belongs in your church. If you don't go to this church, your tithe doesn't belong here. Your tithe belongs to the church that you go to. Okay? But if you want to be blessed, there's a giving that takes place beyond that. And that can come in so many different ways. It can come by needs that are here at the church, right? Some of you give towards the, the building, and there's people that have been so faithful about giving towards paying the loan off. Thank you, Jesus. And I believe God blesses you for that, right? But there's all kinds of different needs. There's people that have needs. There's something about Christmas when you, you see someone, a, a widow indeed, right? A, a, someone who, through no accounting of their own, somehow they, 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 they find themselves as a as a true single mother and struggling and trying to work and trying to do what's right. And there's something about when, when you, you reach into your pocket and you just, you know, I just want to bless you. Yeah. Go, go buy your son something for Christmas. Nobody has to know what that is, nobody, right? But there, there's a giving. There's a heart that's trying to meet a need, that's trying to do something. We, we have a prison ministry to are doing, right? If you want to sign up for the prison ministry, it'd be real good. You, you want to know why? Because... Those men and women, they don't have any options. And that somebody would do what it takes, that you would go through a whole day of training, that you would go and put yourself in an uncomfortable position to be able to witness to someone who, if people don't go in there, they don't get it. And there's some, that's a part of your giving, your giving of your life, to be able to do something. God blesses you when you give. When you give him something to work with, he tends to move. He tends to help us. Okay, so one way that you go from being a chicken Christian or a sparrow Christian to an eagle Christian is through your giving, through your life. What do you do? You know, it's kind of like we're always looking for people to help in nursery and children's church. You want to know why? It's hard to do those. And most people don't come up and go, I didn't see you in church today. You must have been back in kids' church. Thank you so much. We just love you. We probably should do that a little more. But sorry. But anyway, but, they don't, but people don't want to do it because it can tend to be hard. You know, like if you're in nursery, toddlers, teens, So what will your 2022 look like? Will you go into it as a giver? All right, I'll get on to the better ones. Verse number five. And when you pray. And when you pray. And when you pray. So in other words, the giving's first, then end. When you pray. You shall not be like the hypocrites. And it goes into the praying in front of people so that people know that you're praying and you know you don't always necessarily want to have on the t-shirt that says I pray more than you Stop. right that, that might you know we have people that all year long have been praying for an hour in the Holy Ghost right 
we're not going to give you the t-shirt that says, I'm a tongue talker every day for an hour. Okay. That's kind of that in front of everybody thing, right? The reason we have you put your name, put your little thumbs up or whatever you do, the little hands up, whatever emoji thing you're doing, the reason we do that is because there's an accountability to it. It's for you, not for us. All right. So when you pray, it says in Luke 18.1, men ought always to pray. Thank you, Jesus. You know, my prayer, me and my wife were talking about it. When you pray... And we were talking the other day, and, and, and my wife gave me a, a, a word, actually. And she said, the Lord's going to bring you the men that you need to build this church. Now, we have some great men, but I believe we need some more men, too. But the Bible says all men ought to pray. Now, I know that men, women, and you know, all, but, oh, God. There's something about when I come on a Tuesday night, and there's more than three men. It happened once. I think. And so, but there's something about when men pray. Why? Because it's so opposed. I, I honestly, I don't, I don't fault men that don't pray because it is something that is fought against. And I thank God for women that pray and that get in there and, and contend for the things of God. It's awesome. It's tremendous. But there's something about when a man will humble himself. Now begin to lift his voice and pray in tongues out loud on purpose. I was talking to a couple of the guys before service and, and we were talking and I said, you know, we were talking about personalities and that kind of thing. And I said, my personality, when I got saved and I got filled with the Holy Ghost, I was a mumbler. We'd go into prayer meetings and people around me, and I'd be like, Okay, I, I, I get that. I get that. But somewhere in the long the line, I begin to say, you know what? This isn't doing me what it needs to do. I made a conscious decision to go against my personality type. I made a conscious decision to go against my comfort. I made a conscious decision to do something that was uncomfortable. I begin to pray to where I could hear it and others around me could hear it. And you want to know what happened when I did that? It was unbelievable. I began to change. I begin to change. That now it doesn't bother me. I walk around, when I was working in the construction field, every now and then I'd be walking around on a job site and I'd be looking for certain things and I'd be going around there. I think they all thought I was a foreigner. <laughs> and, and, but I'd just begin to pray. And I'd begin to pray aggressively. And I said, God, I, I, I just want to, I want to bring change to my life. See, if you're tired of being a chicken Christian, we, ings, wings of eagles aren't afraid to get out there and spread them. An eagle is a hunter. Right? When John and I go hunting, we're hiding. Right? We don't want the deer to see us because if they see us, they're going to run away. But an eagle spreads its wings. It soars way above them. 
and it comes down. One time we were driving in our street, and we're, we're looking over, and I said, honey, stop, look, look over there. Look, there's a, there's a bird. And it was closely related to, a, to an eagle. It wasn't an eagle, but it was a, a hawk. Right? But they're kind of like eagles. And this hawk's sitting there, and it's, and, and I'm looking at this thing, and it's just looking around. And I thought, what is this thing doing? I've never seen one on the ground like that. I looked down. It had a rabbit. And, and, and I'm looking at it, and all of a sudden, it, it catches my eye, and it goes, <laughs> and then it flew away with the, with the rabbit. Right? Eagles, they, they hunt, they, they soar, and when they, they see what they want, they begin to go. If you want to be a Christian that's an eagle Christian, you've got to begin to go for those things. You've got to begin to change what's normal. See, if what you're doing isn't sparking you, try something else. If, if you're not able to step across that line, if you're, if you're tired of being a Try something else that works. <laughs> Jesus himself said to them in the place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. So your 2022 is going to be set up by your prayer life. It really is the truth. Your finances are set up by your prayer life. Your marriage, it's set up by your prayer life. Husbands, let me help you. I'm not going to talk to the wives. I'm going to talk to the husbands. If, if you want your marriage to be better, let your wife catch you on your knees praying. There should be times when you're down on your knees calling your wife's name out in prayer. She doesn't know it, but all of a sudden she decides to get up early in the morning. She goes, man, that guy loves me. He is praying for me. You get on your knees and you begin to call out to God. You want your 2022 to be different than your 2021 and 2020? Two? 20? <laughs> then you've got to begin to pray and ask God for help. And a little shimmy shimmy down the road doesn't, doesn't do it. I'm sorry to tell you. I talk to people all the time, and they go, Pastor, I pray. And I look at them, and I think to myself, I see the tree, but I don't see any fruit. This, this sermon's not going the way I thought it was going to go. I'm sorry. Somebody out there is pulling on this stuff. In Revelations 1, 10 and 11, it says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Right? We're reading Revelations right now if you're going through your Bible. Right, John, this is John. He says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice as a trumpet. Yes. I'm going to do my best E.V. Hill I can do. I can't do it very well. John was praying. And all of a sudden he heard, John, John, John. And the book of Revelations came because a man was praying. And the Spirit began to speak. You want to hear the Spirit of God? 
Oh, I wish I could tell you that every time you pray, the angels are dancing and everything's going to go great. No, most of the time you're just praying out of faithfulness and you're saying, God, I need you to move. But there are those times when I'm telling you, you're praying. You might be by yourself. You might be in a prayer meeting. It might be on a Sunday morning. I don't know where it'll be for you, but I'm telling you, there are those times when you're on your knees or you're pacing. I don't get on my knees anymore. I can't get up. But <laughs> there are times when you're, you're praying and all of a sudden the Spirit of God will begin to come and something inside you begins to change that you haven't been able to change, that you've worked your whole life, you've been believing for. You've been saying, God, I'm desperate. I'm desperate. I'm desperate, God. And all of a sudden, his spirit will begin to move. But that happens in a time of prayer. It happens in a time of seeking him when he just will speak. I love this scripture. John all of a sudden heard the voice of God behind him and said, write down what I show you. And today we read it and we study it and we look at it. Why? Because a man was willing to pray. What can God do in your family if you will begin to pray? If you'll begin to get on your knees and say, God, I can't do it myself. I've tried. I did everything that I know how to do. These hands can't produce what I need. Oh, but my voice can still go before God and sit in the throne room of God. It can carry me into his presence and I can say, God, I'm a mess. I don't know what I'm doing, God. Oh, God, you've got to help me. Father, Jesus, do a work. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better pastor. I want to be a better man, God. You've got to do something in my life and you begin to call out to God and God is just looking for some men in particular that will begin to pray and seek his face and call out to him. Now it changes all of society. Thank God for women to pray. But society is changed by men that will begin to fall on their face. Oh. You want to cure fear in your life? You tired of walking around pecking at the ground like a chicken? You begin to call out to God and say, God, do a work in my life, God. And he'll cause you to rise up with wings as eagles. Oh. Nothing great and significant happens outside of prayer. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing great and significant. If we want to change Delaware County, if we want to be a church that sees the Spirit of God move and the presence of God move and the power of God begin to touch lives, that wants to see deliverance come to those who need it, that wants to see healing come to those that are desperate, it comes because we pray. You say all the time, why do you pray so much? We have prayer on Sunday mornings. We have prayer on Tuesday nights. We're a praying church. Why do we pray so much? Because without prayer, all we are is the Elks Lodge. Best gift I got this year. Victoria got it for me at the Christmas party for the office. I'll have Elisa go get it. <laughs> See, if we, don't, if, we don't, if we don't pray, you're literally just a club. It's, and clubs are fun. You ever belong to a club? Some kind of club? Something? Right? They're, they're fun. You get to know people. Right? In churches, you get to know people. You get to do things. Right? When they have the, the, the parade goes down the street, you know, you'll see the Elks Lodge and the, you know. So what Victoria got me, she got me. I always wanted one of these. I am not 
what this is, in case you don't know, if, if you ever watched the Flintstones, this is a grand poobah hat. <laughs> Without prayer, this is the best you're going to get tamed. You, you might reach Grand Poobah of the Lodge, but you're not going to change society. <laughs> I got to end. that I'm supposed to concentrate on, I can't do, but I'll do a little. Matthew 6, 16. Moreover, when you fast. You know, it's, it's a shame that we say, that thing sheds. It's a shame that when you tell people you fast, they look at you as some kind of fanatical, wild, crazy, radical Christian. When fasting was always intended biblically, to be just a discipline of the believer. That it's something that we've lost and people go, I know, but it's hard. Yeah, it is. I don't know about you, but not much in my life has been happened that was very beneficial that came easy. Hard, you know. Somebody said that, you know, you should stop telling yourself that things are too hard so I don't do them. You should start telling yourself, you know what? I do hard things. I do hard things. So fasting's hard. Yeah, it is. And we got a fast that's coming up. You really want to get out of the chicken coop? I mean, if you're really tired of getting out of the chicken coop, fast this year. Right? We do it together because it, it's something that we do to, to bring together as a church. It's something that'll cause us to come together. I've done this now for 20 years. And it changes my life every year. It does something that's powerful. It does something that's deep. And there's not a person here that can't fast. Right? Now, you got to see your doctor. I always have to say that because I want people suing me. Right? If, if you're on medication and stuff, see your doctor. But, but I don't care who you are. You can fast something. And I've had people tell me all kinds of things. Well, pastor, I fasted and nothing happened. Well, what did you fast exactly? Well, I, I stopped eating vegetables. <laughs> uh, you'd be surprised. That'd be like me fasting Brussels sprouts. Well, I've been doing that for <laughs> 57 years successfully. <laughs> I'm the master faster when it comes to Brussels sprouts. <laughs> I see those things in the store and I go, ugh. A little stick with these, little, ugh. But, I mean, you've you got to fast something that means something to you. Right. right? If you want to change your life, do something in this fast that's not normal. Now, now hardcore, it's a shame that it's really not hardcore. But, but what, what the hardcore people will do, they'll go along with us, and we'll do the first two day, ten days as liquids only. Right? I joke. If you chew, don't do it. Right? It, it, we do liquids. Now, please, don't take a steak dinner with sweet potatoes and all, and put it in a blender and sip it as a smoothie. You're missing the point. I knew somebody that did that. 
right? Yeah, it does sound nasty, doesn't it? Now, when you fast, now here's the key. When you decide to fast, okay, like how many people here, you skip breakfast? It's actually fairly common. You don't eat breakfast. Okay. Now, if you decide to fast on January 2nd, the very first day of the fast, you won't eat breakfast just like you normally don't, and your stomach's going to scream at you. You're hungry. Stop eat. Right? Because what you're doing is you're making a decision to do something that's, that's difficult. Okay? Then what we do is the last 11 days, we do a Daniel fast. Right? Now, Daniel fast, really, it's a healthy way to eat anyway. Right? You drink um, water, and you can eat vegetables, and you can eat, preferably not deep-fried vegetables, but you eat vegetables and fruits, and, and you just do that. Right? But you know, you think when you're when you're done the first ten days and you're on day eleven, you're like, thank God I can chew a salad. By the second day, you're like, oh, salad. <laughs> right? Why? Because God's trying to do something spiritually. It's denying your flesh to do something. So if you don't fast food, then fast something that means something. Okay? For many years, I would fast things all year long. I haven't done it the past couple of years. God hasn't showed me anything. Um, but there was one year I fasted fast food all year long. That was hard. That was real hard. You don't realize how much fast food people around you eat until you decide not to eat any. You know, one year I fasted french fries. That was hard. It really was. Uh, one year I fasted pizza all year. No pizza all year long. Yeah, Pastor Nancy did that. Pizza all year long. This is pizza land. And whenever anyone does anything, you know, you go to help somebody move because you're trying to help. Oh, I'll come over and I'll give you help moving, you know. What do they do? They buy pizza. You want some? No, I'm good. Right? Fast something that means something. You can fast sun up to sundown. It's, it's January. That's about eight hours that you get to eat. Right? But fast something that means something to you, something that's difficult. Now, don't fast your husband. Don't fast your wife. Right? That's not, that's not the, that doesn't work. But fast something that means something. Because when you fast, it does something. My life has been revolutionized by fasting. Revolutionized, changed my life, changed everything about me. Caused me to, the, the areas that I could never break, it's because of fasting that began to break it for me. It's because I actually did something that was difficult and I said, you know what, God, I'm going to take this time. And when you fast, now fasting is not not eating, that's dieting. Okay, fasting is when you, in place of that time, you pray, you seek God. Right? If, if you do the fast and if you do the hardcore fast but you spend all your time on Facebook and YouTube and whatever you spend your time with, right, then you're not, you're not helping yourself. You've got you to turn your plate over and pray and begin to seek him. It always gets quiet when you talk about fasting. Okay, I'll let you go. I'm just checking to see if there are any more good notes. I had a whole bunch of notes I didn't read. So if you're tired of being a chicken, 
Christian? Pray. Give, pray, and fast. That's how you get out of it. You want wings that make you fly? Give, pray, fast. You want to be a predator instead of lunch? Give, pray, fast. Amen? It'll change your life. It'll change your life. All right, every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe you're here and you're not saved. You know, if you're not saved, half of this stuff sounds crazy, but I'm telling you, Jesus died on the cross to help us, to make a difference in our life. He died on the cross to forgive us of our sins, to wash our sins away. You're here and you're not saved or you're backslidden. You're not right with God, but today, the Lord's dealing with you. You'd signify it with an uplifted hand. Is there anyone at all? All right, you can, you can look at me. I, I don't feel like I'm supposed to do an altar call. I mean, what do I do? If you're a chicken Christian, come forward. But I do feel like I'm supposed to challenge you. Make a change. Do something you've never done. Step out in a way that you've never seen yourself doing before. Take a risk. Be bold in 2022. Go against your temperament. Go against your personality. Go against your fears. Follow what God says. Find someone that's a radical for Jesus. Hang around them. Do what they do. Get out of the chicken coop. Just get out of the chicken coop. Chickens are comfortable around other chickens. They don't like eagles. And I believe God will help you, but you've got to do something different this year. Inside my spirit, I feel like 2022 is going to be a powerful year for some. For some. I'd love to stand up here and prophesy and say 2022 is going to be the most powerful year of your life. But I really believe that 2022 will be what you make it. It'll be what you make it. If you, if you go into it full of fear, you'll leave it full of fear. If you go into it saying, I'm an eagle and I can soar above all that stuff, then you will. Then you will. I know hurts. I know pains. I've been there. I know what it's like to grow weary and I know what it's like to get tired. Oh, but I can tell you, I know what it is to soar like an eagle. God wants to do it for you, if you'll just do it. There's not one person in the sound of my voice that can't soar, that can't do all that God wants them to do, if you choose it. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. We thank you. Father, that you're moving. I thank you, God, that we're going to see some people fly this year. The wind is going to come along as they spread their wings and catch them. Father, they'll begin to soar. They'll begin to move. Because, Father, there are too many people going to hell. Sometimes we lead our lives like we could care less. Father, bring that change. I thank you for men, God. I thank you for the men that are here, and I thank you for the men that are coming. That you're going to move in such a dynamic way. The 
men of God are rising. Father, I pray that you'd be with us, that you'd protect us, have your hand upon us, bless us. Father, bring us back safely in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor David Verdecchio of New Destiny Christian Center. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, please visit us online at www.newdestinychristiancenter.com.